The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You have got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Payoff Pitch. We are the flagship podcast for all things baseball at Action Network. Special edition with the All-Star break here. Of course, the game was yesterday, so we're coming to you on a Wednesday. And we're going to go through uh, a second-half preview, if you will. About 90 games to go for most teams. The trade deadline in a couple of weeks. We figured we'll look ahead at the awards. We'll also look ahead to uh, some props that might be available to you. And also uh, just teams we like to bet here down the stretch. Sean Zarillo, we've, we've divided teams that we like to bet here as a crew into tiers. Why don't you give us your tier one and your tier two as it pertains to best bets and teams that you are leaning on the second half of the season? Yeah, I wanted to kind of suss these out based on teams that I want to invest in from a future standpoint. I've talked about the Braves now for a few weeks. I said that they might be the best team in baseball. And when I sat down to run my projections yesterday, I was actually surprised that I currently project them as the best team in baseball ahead of the Dodgers, ahead of the Astros, ahead of the Yankees. I make the the Braves the best true talent team in baseball. Project them to finish three wins ahead of the Mets in the NL East. Fangraphs Pakoda have them two and a half and three and a half wins behind, respectively. So I actually like the Braves divisional odds at about plus 150, down to roughly even money. DeGrom still dealing with a shoulder injury, had shoulder soreness yesterday, so may stay on the IL longer than anticipated. Ozzy Albee is returning in four to six weeks for Atlanta. And you look at this Atlanta lineup compared to the one that won the World Series last year. They basically added Marcelo Zuna and Ronald Acuna Jr. by the time the playoffs turn around. Dansby Swanson and Travis Darnot both having career years. We'll get to Dansby Swanson again in a bit. Their rotation, I think, is better. Max Fried is better. Charlie Morton just as good, even though he started out the year slow. He's rounded into form. Spencer Strider and Kyle Wright, big upgrades from what they used in the playoffs last year with Ian Anderson and then essentially a bullpen game with Waskar Noah. Their bullpen has performed better than it did last year. Second in strikeout minus walk rate, fifth in expected FIP, 
They were around 12th in both of those metrics last season. They do have a tougher strength to schedule the rest of the way than the Mets, which is why I'm not as confident in their divisional odds, but their pennant odds plus 450, their World Series odds plus 900. Fangraphs would put those at plus 375 and plus 650 respectively. And I am more optimistic on the Braves than Fangraphs is. So definite value across the board on Atlanta. As for the other teams, I just want to talk about each division very, very briefly, and then I'll get out of the way. But Milwaukee minus 160 to win the division, I'd make that around 70%, have a preseason position on them, have a preseason World Series bet on them as well at 20 to 1. You can get 25 to 1 on them right now. Pakoda makes that 5% around 20 to 1. So the, the Brewers and also the Blue Jays, who I have a preseason bet on as well, the Blue Jays sitting around 20 to 1 out there. There's a Zips projection at 5.4%. So you can justify longer shot World Series wagers on both Milwaukee and Toronto. And then that tier three group is the longer shots group, Minnesota, Seattle, San Diego. Again, looking at either Fangraphs or Pakoda, looking at my projections, you can find all this on actionnetwork.com, by the way. Later today, I wrote up all these teams. You can justify World Series bets on all three of Minnesota, Seattle, San Diego, depending on the projection that they use. Most of the value has been sucked out of Seattle at this point, but a 20 to 1, 41 respectively for World Series and pennant, that's about where their break-even point is. So I think that that's fine if you're still interested in that team. San Diego's probably locked up a wild card spot, 40 to 1, 30 to 1 actually on them to win the World Series might not be bad. And then Minnesota, 50 to 1 is a long shot. Pakota has them closer to 3,500, 3,100. So you can justify a bet on all three of those teams just from where I stand, who I think can actually win the World Series. Atlanta, Milwaukee, Toronto would be my investments. Zarello mentions the Twins. And Colin, you had some thoughts on the Twins. So we'll stay there. Uh, and, and he puts the Twins in his uh, his third tier as it pertains to best teams, best bets for teams. And your take on the Twins, Colin? Well, I want to back up a, a little bit here. Zarillo's on the Mariners. This is uh, oh, this is true. This is groundbreaking. Did you did you show. not watch our live show yesterday? No, I did watch the live show, but you know, some <laughs> people aren't aren't consuming on, on every piece of of media here. You know, I I just I'm I'm so excited to hear my brethren coming around on our Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I have them as the third in that third AL wild card spot. Now I would put them ahead of Boston. I would put them ahead of AL any AL Central team. I know we were talking about the AL Central before we hopped on, and you're going to get to them in the second, but. I don't see the AL Central getting a second team beyond the division winners. So the fact that the Mariners can get to the playoffs now after this long win streak, I love their bullpen. They just need to fix the back end of that rotation. Love it. Love the Mariners love. And, and yeah, Brandon, Brendan, to your point, I'm on the twins as well, along with Zerillo, I think plus 5,000 world series plus 2000 to win the AL pennant. There's value. You know, they've been leading the central all year and it's true that, that maybe the white Sox catch them maybe the the guardians have value there but you can't give back the wins that you've already banked they're already they're already right up there they're more than likely a playoff team and this team has one of the best lineups in baseball that that top top third is terrifying with arias with with buxton up there mm. and and this is a team uh and i'm going to talk about this with another team in a minute this is a team that is one of the more likely teams to add at the deadline this team needs rotation help. I would be shocked if come the beginning of August, we don't see Frankie Montes or Luis Castillo in a twins uniform. If that's the case, then I'll, I'll be less bullish on this team or some rotation help, not, not even necessarily those two. 
because they need help in the rotation. They need guys behind gray and, and Ryan and whoever else they're throwing out there right now, because their, their rotation is kind of a mess. Their, their bullpen is kind of in flux. Uh, they need to fix their pitching staff, but this is a team that made it clear at the beginning of the season that they were ready to be contenders again after last year's kind of aberration of a, of a lost season. And they're also sitting there right now at minus 105 to make the playoffs at DraftKings, which I think is a really interesting bet. You look at Picote, you look at Fangraphs, they put them right around 50%. So there might not necessarily be value there. But again, the, the wins that they've gotten to this point in the season, you don't give them back. They're going to add at the deadline. They're in one of the weaker divisions in baseball. So I think there's plenty of value in them, both in the futures market and also just to make the playoffs. This is a team that has been kind of undervalued all season, and they have one of the scarier offenses. They arguably have the scariest offense in baseball outs, or in the American League outside of the Yankees. So I'm, I'm, I'm really bullish on the Twins. I think that even, even if the White Sox track them down in the AL Central race, I, think, I do think this is a playoff team. I think that they, they have a chance to, to get that second playoff team out of the AL Central. The other team I want to talk about is kind of in a similar position to the Twins, and it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Over in the NL Central, they're plus 4,000 for the World Series. They're plus 1,500 for the NL pennant. They have the fourth best run differential in the National League behind the, the Dodgers, Mets, and Braves, who's Zarilla talked about. And, and by the way, for the record, I agree with everything Zarilla said about the Braves. I've been on the Braves since they kind of got off to that slow start, put a division future on them back when they were still plus 300 after the Mets got that huge start. The Cardinals are another team that I fully expect to add at the deadline. This is a team that's kind of in its last hurrah. I don't know if the Cardinals necessarily have a last hurrah because they kind of are great at rebuilding on the fly, kind of like the, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL where it's like, oh, this is where they're going to take a step back. They still kind of stay in contention. Even if they miss the playoffs, it's by a few games and they, they retool without necessarily making the splashiest moves. But they have Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, are both in their 30s. Obviously, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina are, are nearing the end of their careers. This is an old team. They, they do have some young kids there, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, who are kind of ready to take the reins and, and take that next step. This is a team that needs to capitalize on the last hurrah of some of these aging veterans, and I think they're going to add at the deadline. Again, Castillo, Montes, some starting rotation help up there up front with Miles Michaelis having, having a, a solid year. Uh, their, their bullpen has been surprising. Again, I, I don't think there's necessarily value on their division race. I think them and the Brewers are going to come right down to the wire, but this is a team that once it gets to October, they, they've got the veteran leadership. They, they can absolutely go on a run, plus 1,500 for the pennant, plus 4,000 for the World Series. Definitely see value there. I should mention with the Cardinals, so I updated, and again, it, it'll be on actionnetwork.com, true talent rankings for all these teams, pro win totals, et cetera. The Cardinals were my highest upgraded team in the National League, second highest in baseball, 7.2 wins of improvement since the preseason based on how their projections have improved. So definitely see the Cardinals as a team on the rise and project them to finish right around their win totals, which I bet the unders on. So going to be another sweat with the Cardinals this year. You know, Zarillo made this point about putting the, the Mariners ahead of the, of the Red Sox, just backtracking here for a second, looking at the odds to make the playoffs, as Colin brought up a few moments ago. Just to draw a comparison there, right now the Twins, yes, minus 105, as Colin said. The Red Sox, as uh, for a comparison, minus 115. Then looking at the Phillies at minus 115 compared to a Cardinals team at minus 140. So 
that's where those odds stand as it pertains to making the playoff. Let's make a change now over to individual uh, player awards, and we'll start with the MVP and where we can find value to lay it out for the people. Right now, Paul Goldschmidt is your National League favorite at plus 100. And on the other side, it was Aaron Judge for most of the first half as the favorite. And then Shohei Otani, we, we just, I think folks were reminded of how great Otani is. He is the favorite at minus 115. Sean Zarillo, where can we find value for MVP, both leagues, the rest of the way? Yeah, so coming into the year, the way I handicap this, there's a bunch of different criteria which correlate to MVP winners. But wins above replacement is the most important criteria for all player awards 22 of the past 24 MVP winners ranked in the top three and ones above replacement in their respective leagues at the end of the year you will get updated end of season projections Otani and Judge one two depending whether you use steamer or zips Jose Ramirez Rafael Devers three and four but the odds discrepancy between Ramirez and the other guys he's around is pretty drastic. Can get him at 30 to one. He was 25 to one coming into the year. I have investments on both Ramirez and Devers. If both Otani and Judge miss some playing time down the stretch, it's probably going to go to one of Devers or Ramirez. That said, I don't really see either of them winning unless both of those guys miss playing time. So if you want a long shot investment in the AL, Ramirez and Devers is the way I go. The National League, I do think, is more wide open. And surprisingly, Nolan Arenado actually projects ahead of Paul Goldschmidt in one's above replacement, and he's sitting at 30-1 to 1, while Goldschmidt is closer to even money. I think it's because Arenado's value is largely driven on the defensive end, and I don't know if he's necessarily going to get the votes considering his offensive batting line is behind his own teammate. So the other guys I would look at in the NL, aside from Arenado at 30 to one, Dansby Swanson at 45 to one. I mentioned how much I like the Braves view them as the best team in the American league. Well, this guy is on pace for the best year of his career, probably going to get 25 homers and 25 steals hitting close to 300 playing gold glove defense. Dansby Swanson across the board looks like an MVP candidate. The only issue is MVPs rarely go to players up the middle. Typically guys at the corners who put up the offensive stats are the ones who get the MVP. So that'd be my hesitation with Dansby. The last guy I should mention, Juan Soto, 55 to one currently proved he's healthy in the home run derby, had some concerns about his knee prior to the derby. was surprised he had entered it, but I'm pretty convinced now that Soto is fully healthy, should be the best player per plate appearance down the stretch in terms of generating wins above replacement. So have him seventh currently on the tote board in terms of where I project these guys for war the rest of the way. But at 55 to one, how wrong can you be? Colin Whitchurch in the American League, you have some crossover with uh, with Zarillo. Yeah, Jose Ramirez, I'm I'm right there with Zarillo for every every reason he said. And and Ramirez is always going to be a MVP candidate. Oh, not always, obviously, but but for as long as he's he's doing what he's been doing, he's He's finished top three in MVP now three times. He was six last yeah. year and, and he was, and he was great last year. And I think a lot of it's going to, you know, I think voters have gotten smarter about not correlating MVP to team success. Obviously we've seen it several times now with Mike Trout. Um, but if the guardians make the playoffs, we, we talked about them having maybe a little bit of divisional value. I, I know Zarilla talked about it on the live show yesterday. If the guardians make the playoffs, Ramirez is going to get the credit for that. And, and that's still something that's factored in at least a little bit. So I 100% think there's value on Ramirez there. I did want to mention one other guy. And to be clear here, I, 
I will be shocked if someone other than Shohei Otani or Aaron Judge don't win AL MVP. This is all about us trying to find value on guys who could maybe make the leap if things fall their way. Or like Sean mentioned, if Otani or Judge miss some time, which we're obviously hoping they don't. But it's Luis Robert. Again, if the White Sox go on a second half tear, they run away with the AL Central. He's going to be the driving force, him and Tim Anderson at the very least. Robert went on a tear leading up to the All-Star break. He's up to 301, 334, 461 as his split. And he destroyed the last two months of last season as well. He missed most of the first half with an injury. And then the last two months of the season last year, he hit 350, 389, 622 with 12 homers and 43 games. If he does something else like that again this year, and again, if Otani or Judge falter in some way down the stretch, he's 100 to 1 to win AL MVP right now. Obviously, he missed some time. It's going to be difficult without a full season. But again, we're kind of throwing darts at long shots here. And Robert is my ultimate dart throw in terms of long shots. I just want to mention Jose Ramirez leads all players, all players in wins above replacement since that shortened 2020 season. He's at 14.1. He's the most underappreciated superstar in baseball. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think most people think of him that way. When it comes to pitching, the Cy Young Award, a little more uh, longer odds when it comes to this side of uh, the market, when it comes to the pitching side of the market. Right now, Shane McClanahan, who started in the All-Star game for the American League, the favorite at plus 205. And, you know, I should have said just for the American League, because then you have Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins at minus 125. Next in line would be Corbin Burns at plus 600. Zarrillo, when it comes to Cy Young, how are you evaluating value if, if any value can be found? Yeah, talk about war with position players. Well, for pitchers winning the Cy Young, 10 of the past 12 pitchers to win the Cy Young finished in the top three in their respective leagues. The only two who didn't were Blake Snell and Robbie Ray last year. So the way I handicap this, I bet Kevin Gaussman a couple of weeks ago at 18 to one for the American League Cy Young. You look at Steamer, you look at Zips. He's the projected leader in wins above replacement by both of those projection systems in the AL. Very obvious choice for me, considering the price point you can get on him. Batting average on balls in play, super inflated. He's been very unlucky from his defense, but Kevin Gaussman, clearly a top three pitcher in the American League. The other guys I'd look at, Dylan Cease, I have a preseason bet on. Like him at nine to one still, just the amount of strikeouts that he gets. Strikeouts do factor into uh, the end of season voting for Cy Young as well. The one guy who stands out relative to his price though in the American League is Shane Bieber. Have him projected sixth or seventh right now in wins above replacement. You look at all the other guys he's around in the odds board, or I should say in his projections, look at all the other prices on the odds board. Everybody is basically nine to one or lower, except for Gaussman and Bieber. And Bieber's all the way up at 35 to one. So Bieber's just, his price point does not align with where his end of season war projections basically put him but he's a guy I bet against a lot this year. So I have a tough time betting him in the national league. I think Sandy should be the favorite. Now he's first or second by both of those projection systems. The guys who are second and third and in Rodon's case, first in one of them, Carlos Rodon and Aaron Nola. I have preseason positions on Alcantara and Nola. Nola at 35 to one, his price point makes absolutely no sense. He's an absolute must bet. If you don't have a position on NL Cy Young right now, projected to finish third, Bible steamer and zips in wins above replacement. He's an innings eater. He always gets tons of innings every year, complete workhorse, and he's pitching better than he ever has. 
Radon, my one concern, even though he's 19 to one, and one of the projection systems would put him on top is longevity. He's never pitched more than 165 innings. He experienced the velocity dip already this season, which bounced back, but that can go down again. And he ended up missing time after throwing 135 innings last season. So on a talent basis, Rodon is right there. He just needs to stay healthy and he can still have a chance at winning the award. But Noah would be my best investment for the NL. All right, Colin, how do you assess the Scion market for us with the, the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I'm 100% with Zerillo on both Cease and Nola, so I won't belabor that too much. I think there's plenty of value on both those guys in the AL and NL, respectively. The one guy I will bring up that Zerillo did not is Clayton Kershaw, who you can find all the way down at 55-1. to 1. Obviously, missed some time is going to hamper his chances, particularly against Alcantara, against guys like Corbin Burns, who are going to rack up those innings counts, but... If Kershaw keeps doing what he's doing for these last two and a half months of the season, he's absolutely going to be in the running, sitting with a 2.13 ERA right now. And this is a guy that voters know and voters love. And again, you get the narrative out there with, with Kershaw, you know, coming back to his true dominant form. You know, he hasn't won a, he, he won three Cy Youngs in his career, but he hasn't won one in eight years. So uh, I think that voters would love to award him. It's kind of similar to Verlander in the American league, but Verlander's number isn't nearly enough when it comes to value. They love seeing the kind of the old guys come back to come back to their previous dominance. So Kershaw 55 to one is something that I love in terms of value. Again, I, I think it's, it's obviously Alcantara's to lose, but if we're looking for a long shot value along with Nola, it's Clayton Kershaw. Excellent. Moving right along. We'll go to Rookie of the Year um, as it pertains to the current market for Rookie of the Year. It's uh, National League is unknown. Spencer Strider, your favorite at plus 180. Michael Harrison next at plus 210. Then there's a drop off to O'Neill Cruz at plus 700. In the American League, the home run derby definitely did some favors. Uh, Julio Rodriguez at minus 370. Zerillo, any uh, long shots you're looking forward to here in the American League? And then give us some thoughts in the National League. Rookie of the yeah, year. We, sh- we should talk about the fact that Julio is a very deserving favorite. Uh, again, looking at end of season war projections, because war actually correlates more closely to rookie of the year than it does even for MVP or Cy Young. 14 of the past 20 players to finish atop their league in wins above replacement, one top rookie honors. And the average ranking for those 20 players was 1.5. So basically you needed to finish first or second. That even includes Kyle Lewis and Devin Williams who finished second and sixth respectively during that pandemic shortened year. So you really need to be in the top two for war as a rookie in order to win the award. It is a function of playing time. Julio Rodriguez is expected to beat anybody in the AL by at least a win, if not more. So definitely a deserving favorite. If he misses time, the one guy I like at long shot odds is Adley Rutschman, who I also bet in the preseason. He's 28 to one coming into the year. War is a function of playing time. He actually outpaced any other player in the AL. He was expected to generate more war per plate appearance than any other player. So Adley Rushman is tremendous. I just think he had a late start, but at 28 to one, maybe worth a very tiny investment, but Rodriguez has that all but locked up. In the National League, I think it is a much, much more wide open race, particularly because Spencer Strider may get shut down briefly in the second half as they look to save him for the playoffs. Michael Harris should be the favorite projects as the war leader aside from Strider, but the gap between Harris, say Suzuki and even Alec Thomas is closer than I thought it would be. Suzuki missed some playing time still projects within a half of a win of Harris. 
And he was the, in the NL, he was the highest work or plate appearance guy coming into the year. The one guy I'd caution against is O'Neill Cruz. His war is actually negative right now. I love O'Neill Cruz. think he's sublimely talented, but one projection doesn't even have him clearing a full win above replacement this year. So ignore O'Neill Cruz, in my opinion, as talented as he is. I think he's going to have a tough time winning the award, but Alec Thomas is the long shot that stood out 40 to one, have him projected fourth in the NL race have him on par with Seiya Suzuki in one of the measurements. I love Seiya Suzuki at 12 to one, but I'm already invested in the preseason. I'm going to consider a shot on Alec Thomas at 40 to one league average hitter. Excellent, excellent defender in center field. He makes it look easy. In our pre-show format, Colin Whitchurch, has, it doesn't see value in the, uh, in the rookie of the year market. So Colin, you know what we're going to do? We're going to skip right ahead. We're going to go to props and uh, you're on a couple of home run props. What do you have for us? I'm just a little bit surprised here to see these numbers on hitters who are, I think, third and fourth or, or second and third, respectively, in, in most home runs. Jordan Alvarez, plus 1,000. Austin Riley, plus 1,600 for most home runs. Obviously, Aaron Judge is going to be very difficult to catch here, but these are guys who absolutely could go on second-half tears and, and take that award from him if, if Judge kind of cools down a little bit down the stretch. Alvarez obviously is on the injured list right now, but it's not expected to be a long-term injury. He's supposed to be back pretty quick uh, after the all-star break. And then, and then Riley, you know, he's, he's top 10 in, in everything uh, from a hitting standpoint, uh, you know, WRC plus and ISO and all, all the big power stats Riley's there. So I'll, I'll absolutely take a dart throw on both Alvarez and Riley plus 1000 plus one plus 1600 respectively to, end the season with the most home runs. I do have some preseason on Alvarez as well, um, but I still think there's value there. Okay, good stuff from Colin there as it pertains to the home run market. And Zarillo, you've got thoughts also on Riley as well as Alvarez. Yeah, uh, so Jordan, you know, anytime a player comes back from an injury, I'm just going to be a little skeptical that the power may be diminished, but 10 to 1, I don't think is bad value. I have him at 41 home runs the rest of the way. I have him tied with Pete Alonzo, who I have at 16 to 1. So I might prefer Alonzo at the same projection at a better price point. But Austin Riley, I do have third at 42 home runs, still nine behind Aaron Judge. But if I was to make an investment right now on most home runs, Austin Riley at 16 to one, Pete Alonzo at 16 to one. Those would be the guys for me. I'm probably just going to ride out my Kyle Schwarber ticket. And another ticket I'm riding out is Luisa Rise to have the most hits at 50 to one, I bet him in the preseason because he ranked up there with basically any player in terms of hits per plate appearance on a projection basis. It was just a question of playing time. And he actually has 50 fewer plate appearances than all of the guys he's around on the hits leaderboard right now. He's only 10 behind the leader. He's starting to get as much playing time as them playing every day was behind Miguel Snow at the start of the season, which looks idiotic. Now, if you watch the all-star game yesterday, they were comparing him to Rod Carew. Rod Carew said that he's his favorite player. Ichiro Suzuki said that Arise is his favorite player. Shows you the kind of respect that these great hitters have for a guy like Luis Arise, who always is tough at bats, is very, very difficult to strike out. He averages more hits per plate appearances this year than any other player in baseball. He's right ahead of Paul Goldschmidt. He projects amongst the leaders, I said, in hits per plate appearance at the start of the season. And I think the end of season projections are actually underselling his playing time a little bit. I haven't projected for 173 hits, finishing fifth on the hits leaderboard. Goldschmidt fourth at 180. But if his playing time is more similar, getting a rise at 20 to one 
relative to where he is, I think he's going to be amongst the hit leaders at the end of the year. So whether he wins it or not, 20 to one looks like a solid number to me at this point. Just to kind of piggyback what you guys mentioned on the home run props. Yeah. Who's to say, I know Aaron judge is looking for a ton of money in the off season or, or in future seasons, but, uh, Who's to say if the Yankees are, are well in control of their of their destiny? Do they rest judge? And does that, you know, does he lose out on home run possibilities? It might not matter for him to still win MVP, but for most home runs, that could make an impact. That is going to do it. A very thorough breakdown of second half props, second half awards, as well as teams we like to bet on best bets as it pertains to teams. Uh, on this edition of Payoff Pitch. Thanks so much for joining, everybody. Please rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. We'll be back to the normal show format on Friday, July 22nd, and we'll make our way through the slate of games. I'm sure as we get to closer to the beginning of August, we'll have some true deadline stuff we're going to have to react to. It's actually going to be a fun show, August 2nd. Maybe we'll do a late recording because it's trade deadline day on August 2nd, so that'll be good. Um, that's going to do it for Colin Whitchurch, Sean Zarillo, Brendan Lasheen. We'll join you again Friday for Payoff Pitch. Enjoy the rest of the break. You might not be enjoying it. You miss baseball. We'll see you Friday. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.